The sermon this evening is from the book of Acts, chapter 22, verses 1 to 21. The sermon is entitled, Joyfully Lutheran, The Benefits of Holy Baptism, The Forgiveness of Sins. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The words of Ananias to St. Paul, And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Paul recounts what the Lord has done in his life in Acts chapter 22. From the watching over the garments over the first martyr, St. Stephen, to going into Damascus Road for the sake of persecuting Christians and attacking those who believed in the way, it was on this road that St. Paul encountered the voice of all voices, and that is of the Lord Jesus Christ. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Blinded by the light, three days without sight. There he was brought to Damascus to meet Ananias. And, and though Ananias, Ananias had great concern about this man, he said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. But the Lord responds, this is my chosen instrument. And as Paul regained sight, there he went as he was commanded, hearing the words of Ananias, rise and go, be baptized and wash away your sins. How do I know that I am forgiven? How do I know that I am a child of God? How do I know that my life is everlasting? Even in the midst of a burdened conscience, right? In our sin, in our guilt, let's say, knowing that we fall short, how do we all know? What is our status in front of God? I think uh, as this reads in the large catechism, as Harrison refers to in his book, when our sins and conscience oppress us, we strengthen ourselves and take comfort and say, nevertheless, I am baptized. And if I am baptized, it is promised to me that I shall be saved and have eternal life, both in soul and body. Indeed, baptism saves. Beyond ourselves, yes. Outside of ourselves, not our doing, not our decision, but God choosing us, God calling us, God grafting us and connecting us to his name and the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that there in the word, in the water, we have our great assurance that I am baptized, creating faith. For faith is a gift given by our Lord from God to man. This is how God works. The fall in the garden, sin coming into the world, the promise of salvation, the incarnation. God works. The humiliation of Christ, his faithfulness, his obedience. God works. 
Even in the crucifixion, even in the most heaviest of moments, the crown, the nails, the stripes, it seems like, is really God working here? Look at this Jesus on the cross. Is he really working? But yes, there God was working, defeating death, washing away sins. God works. In the midst of tears and sadness, hearing the words of Mary, show me just where the body is. I want to know where Jesus is. Just show me his body. He is not here. He has risen. Again, this is how God works. It's all about how God works. That is where our faith is. His grace is sufficient. His sacrifice for you actually delivers. St. Paul, the chief of sinners, as he would call um, the sinner, the foremost, if it, I guess if it was based on moral credits, well, how we would be the last. If it was based on Paul or Saul and his works in his past, how far would he have gone in his goodness or morality or works, whatever you want to call it? Would it be the same as God worked? No. God works in his grace, this gift through faith that we are saved, not by works, but God works through the salvation given for you, namely the death and resurrection of our Lord, which is a folly to many then and a folly to many in this current time. Yet for all of us, our hope, our peace, our comfort, The salvation for our souls is in Him. Our object of faith is in what God has done for us, and that is Jesus, the design, this gospel from God to man. And there He finishes His very promise that from the offspring of a woman would come the Savior of the world. I think that's the mystery of baptism. It's so foreign to our sinful, fallen flesh. It can't be water, word, the world says. Really? The flesh says, can I find my assurance in this water and word? Can that really be? I mean, we just sang uh, hymn 594, I am baptized into Christ. And what does it say about the devil? That the, act- the accusations of the devil are shut down. Can that really be? Because at the same time, the devil is saying, did God really say, is this really a promise for you? Is this your assurance? Harrison writes this. He says, uh, the Lord gives us pastors to give us the sacrament of the altar for absolute assurance of forgiveness that we might have a good conscience before him. It's because of that assurance, as it says in Hebrews, that we draw near to the throne, right? All by the body and blood of Jesus. As Harrison continues, yet we run from these concrete means, these ways and gifts for forgiveness. And we regress into our own minds or too often into supposedly lofty thoughts about how and when and where God works, which have the slightest promise of God's forgiveness. Baptism works the forgiveness of sins. That's the key. 
How do you know? Where is your assurance? It can't be, really? Did God really say? This is the life of faith. It's a life that receives the word of God, not just any word, but his word, promise filled word, the power of the Holy Spirit through this very word, gifting you this faith. The word that points you to Jesus, the word that points you to the sacraments as Jesus instituted to trust in that very promise for there you have in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There we see our Lord work by his grace for each and every one of us. But See, this is where our flesh comes in, how quickly we jump ship and we regress into our own fallen minds, dictating how we want God to work in our lives rather than how God works. Maybe it's our time schedule, our own will, our own reason, our own ideas, our own feelings, whatever that may be. In our sinful nature, we want God to work as we desire for us. Rather than submitting and trusting what his word truly says, hearing and receiving these gifts, we regress. Harrison writes, yet my flesh causes me to question God's gift and order an office such that I ask, do I really need to go to church to be Christian? Must I have a pastor to preach the gospel to me? Do I really need the church for my sins to be forgiven? The devil is doing everything to take you away from the assurance of your salvation. Little ounces here and there of doubt. How could that be? And there the word he tries to snatch away from you. And as he snatches this word away, there our disbelief, our sinfulness, we fail to see, and soon we regress and trust in ourselves rather than God's grace. It is in our sinful nature that in the midst of this doubt, in this crisis of conscience, rather than the call to repentance, rather than resting in his word, we desperately try to work it out for ourselves. Right? rather than trusting in how God works for us by his very word and that very promise, what do we try to do? We try to make things right. We try to cleanse our consciences. And meanwhile, the devil is subtly telling us the cross isn't enough, the empty tomb isn't enough, the baptism, holy baptism, the Lord's Supper isn't enough. And you go further and further down that road and you find yourself in the pit of regression, of despair, of hopelessness and affliction, burnt out. Am I good enough? Am I even Christian? Maybe I should just quit this all. See, morality, legalism, your own way is not the golden ticket because that ticket is worthless. The law of works will never be good enough. Your merits, your credits, whatever you want to call them, these nuggets of work, you might think, we might tell ourselves that, yes, we've done enough, we're pretty good, but that's just regression. Because if we're depending on ourselves, we're falling away from that cross. 
We're turning away from the promise of the empty tomb and the sacraments. And that regression, trust me, is an easy one. Forgetting God's word and what comes from above. The word, the sacraments, the forgiveness of sins, eternal life and salvation as a free gift. It is free. But yet there is that constant battle in each and every one of us to say, wait, is it truly free? What do I have to do? But as we are here together tonight, let us rest in the faith that God has given to each and every one of you. That our faith is in the work of God. That in every sin, every guilt, and every crisis internally that you might have at this very moment, remember those words, rise and go. Go be baptized and your sins will be washed away. And that's your life. Your sins are washed away. The incarnate Son the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There he went, the crucified one, shedding his blood for you at Calvary, washing away your sins and three days proving and comforting you through the resurrection from the fruit of the cross. There we see in that empty tomb the seal of salvation, the forgiveness of sins fulfilled and complete. You have all that you need in God's word. And as our resurrected Lord gave the great commission, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching. There we too find what disciple making is all about. How God works. The word. 1 Peter 3. Baptism which corresponds to this now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. From the resurrection flows, from the fruits of the cross, connected we are in our baptism. There is no regression with Christ. There is no regression in the water and the word in Christ's institution. There's no regression because it is not your work. It is not your will. But it reads in Ephesians 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to be the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. Yes, the baptismal life is a victorious one. Do you still have your struggles? Do you still have your pains? Does the devil continue to tempt? Of course. Remember, you are clothed with Christ. I am baptized and you are baptized. Connected. Right? connected to the death and resurrection, dying and raising with him, that we too might walk in the newness of life.
This is your life. A life that is forgiven, a life that is eternal, a life that is rooted in Christ and in Him crucified. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Midweek Sermon from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.